See you later. <laughs> Have fun. Not too much. Uh, so how are we on this fantastic, hot, sunny day? Um, it's been a, uh, the news has touched us as a, as a, as a nation, hasn't it? And um, we're going to um, look today at another uh, passage um, in our Unstoppable God series. We're looking at the healings of Jesus. We're going through different healings where Jesus healed through the New Testament. And today, if you want to turn to it, we're, we're going to look at Luke and chapter 11, or chapter 17, get it right, and, and verse 11 onwards. It's the, it's the healing about the 10 lepers. And um, perhaps we could, I don't know if we've got the words on the wall. There we go. So slightly different versions. We all have different, if you bring your Bibles, it's great, because the Word of God speaks to you, it lives, and it grabs hold of you. It's one of those books in life which actually is alive. The Word of God is alive. So bring your Bibles, eat them, devour them. Uh, well, not literally, but it will, do, it will be like that. So um, different versions are of the truth. And um, I'm reading from the New English Translation, New uh, NIV on the top. You might have a different one yourself. But we're going to go through today and, and look at like verse by verse. I so enjoyed Neil last week going verse by verse. Alison said, God, wasn't that great? So I'm here to go verse by verse. And we'll see how it goes. Perhaps a couple of verses at a time. But anyway, let's go. So Luke 17 Verse 11, Um, now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was entering a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance, raised their voices and said, Master, or Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went along, they were cleansed. Then one of them When he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God in a loud voice. He fell with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now, he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, were not ten cleansed? Where were the other nine? Was no one found to turn back to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to the man, get up and go on your way, your faith has made you well. So we've heard the stories of Jesus healing. He has already healed one leper. That unheard of thing, that uh, leprosy could be heard, or healed. And here we have 10 who go off and are healed. So verse 11 and 12, let's pick up there. Now on the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was entering a village, 10 men with leprosy met him and they stood at a distance. So we have here, we have a community of 10. I mean, I don't know, you might say a crowd is is two or three. This is a community, there's 10 of them, and they have a common problem. They have leprosy. And we know that the Jews had no dealings, really, with Samaritans. They hated this band of people. And this band and this Samaritan, one common misfortune had brought them together and, and destroyed racial barriers and, and, and national barriers and bigotry between races. Here we see a common, uh, them drawn together with a common need of God. And it's so easy when we're in our life, even today with today's news, it's so easy in our life to sit in our own place and look at other people and see the differences and see the problems, even amongst churches, to see how they worship and how, they, how can they do that. Well, actually, if you start to lift up 
your gaze and, and get God's perspective. If you were to go, I remember people, my dad went up in a hot air balloon once and he said, when you go up in a hot air balloon, you can see everything from a different perspective. And actually, when we go up, we suddenly see the barriers disappear between us and those around us. And we see things from God's perspective, a common need. That's what brought these guys together, a common need for God. And it destroyed all dissimilarity. They, they were in it together. They needed God. And it says that they stood at a distance. Well, what, why a distance away? Well, in Palestine, in the time of Jesus, a leper was barred from going to any walled city. Jerusalem, any walled towns they were barred from. And in the Old Testament, where they were living by the rules and regulations from the Old Testament of the Jews, there were 61 different ways that you could become unclean by touching things. And uh, touching a leper was second only to touching a dead person to make you unclean. These guys were really shunned, they were put out, and they weren't allowed in. If a leper so much as put his head in a house, the house was unclean, even to the roof beams. You don't want your leprous friend to pop his head around. You'll be busy cleaning and making sacrifices to God. Lepers were shunned, they were pushed out. A leper themselves might come no nearer to another person than two metres. And if the wind was blowing from the leper to other people, they couldn't come. They were not allowed to come closer than 45 metres to those people. They were really on their own. And leprosy was feared even by teachers, rabbis of the Jews, where they would hide themselves and take to their heels at the sight of a leper, even in the distance. So I was talking to my kids yesterday in the sun and saying, have you heard about leprosy? And they said, what's that? You see, we don't experience that. It's, it's unseen we, or even unheard of leprosy today. So we have to go back a little bit to find out actually what did it mean to be considered one who was a leper. You see, the great Jewish culture scholar Alfred Edison from the 1800s, let's go back a bit, 1800s, the Jewish convert to Christianity and biblical scholar, he says the disease which we today call leprosy generally begins with a pain in certain areas of the body. Numbness follows. And soon the skin in such spots loses its original colour. It gets thick, glossy and scaly as the thickness progresses. And the thickened spots become dirty sores and ulcers due to the poor blood flow. So William Barclay commentates that it might begin with little nodules which go to ulcerate. The ulcers develop foul discharge, which go on, and the eyebrows fall out. The, eyebrow, the eyes become staring and vocal cords become ulcerated. The voice becomes hoarse and the breath wheezes. The hands and the feet always ulcerate. Slowly, the sufferer becomes a mass of ulcerated growth. An average course for this kind of leprosy is nine years and it ends in mental decay, coma, and ultimately death. And leprosy might begin with the loss of all sensation in some part of the body. The nerve trunks are affected. The muscle wastes away. The tendons contract until hands are like claws. There follows ulceration of the hands and feet. And then becomes the progressive loss of fingers and toes. Until the end, the whole hand or foot may drop off. The duration of that kind of leprosy is anything from 20 to 30 years. As William Barclay says, he says, it's the kind of terrible progressive death in which a person dies by inches. So we see here the 10 men 
had to stand at a distance because the law demanded it. And I find it quite sobering, having talked to my kids, who knew nothing about this disease, that actually we've only been able to effectively treat leprosy since the 1940s. That's less than 80 years ago. See, they raised, in verse 13, they raised their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, we know that they're around about 50 metres away, crying out, and it had been hard for some, since their voices would already be ulcerated and hoarse and wheezing. And as the law said, they had to shout, unclean, unclean, and then continue with their plea. See, leprosy is that vivid, it is a vivid picture, graphical picture, of the spiritual state that sin leaves us in when we go our own way and not worship God and and understand who God is and live our own way, our way, rather than putting God first in our hearts and minds and souls. See, sin is ugly, like leprosy. Sin is loathsome, incurable and contaminating. It separates men and women from God and makes them outcasts. And God hates sin. Like leprosy, sin is deep inside and can be for years before it comes onto the outside. Like leprosy, sin also spreads. And like leprosy, sin always defiles and isolates people. See, leprosy is that, that picture of sin. Is that how you see sin? It's, it's one of the pictures of how we see sin and how God sees it. It drives us into isolation outside the safety of God's community. And we cannot come close In such a state, we can only plead for attention and saving grace and mercy. Tell me that sin doesn't do that in your heart. That you do not want to share your innermost sins with your closest neighbour in God's community. Why? Because sin isolates you. Sin is like leprosy. It causes this unseen thing and it finally will come out through the fruits of your life. It is to be hated. So when we call out to God, it can, appear, it can appear that it's from a long way away, like these lepers were. Our state of unworthiness, God, come and help me, can be our cry. But actually, God, does he hear us from such a distance? Well, like these guys, Jesus does hear that cry. He will hear you when you cry out to him for help. In verse 14, when he saw them, he heard He will hear your cry for help when you plead for him to come for mercy. And when he saw them in verse 14, he said, Go and show yourself to the priests. As they went along, they were cleansed. Well, so if if we were there, if you were one of the ten, would that have been your response? I was thinking about this. Would Would I have acted so quickly to have just gone? Because we've learned a bit about what it meant their condition this morning. So one reason perhaps they did get up and go is because the Jews remembered the Old Testament. Ah, they would talk to each other and said, as you remember Elisha, he he, he told Naaman to to wash seven times in the River Jordan. And um, and do you remember that story? Well, he didn't go. He he didn't go to wash himself. He he, he said, why would I go? And it, it was those close to him, those who were close enough to give him wise counsel said, well, if a prophet had said, Do something amazing. Wouldn't you have done it to get your leprosy healed? And Naaman said, well, of course. And they said, why not do the simple thing that you've been asked to do? So Naaman did. He washed himself seven times, and then he was healed. It says his his skin wasn't leprosy. It was like a newborn baby's. It was wonderful. 
So perhaps that was in their ears when they heard the fact that Jesus said, go, and, and they thought, let's, let's do it. Another reason perhaps was that they'd heard that Jesus had healed already. You know, the, the network of saying, do you know what Jesus has done? He's, he's healed a leper. He touched him and healed him. See, they acted on faith on those things. Do you act on faith on what you know of God in the Bible? Do you read them and say, God, I want to apply that to my life? And do you, do you hear what he's doing around at the moment? Does that spur you into action and faith to do similar things? We're coming up to love Crawley. Love Crawley's coming. You can do amazing things, but we need to learn this morning about faith and what it means to live and just be honouring to God and go, these guys just went. Amazing. Would I have gone? I don't know. You see, they had so many things as an obstacle before them. The medical treatment, you can probably tell I've read a bit about um, leprosy. I've read uh, medical manuals. <laughs> and uh, some of the medical treatments that you come, they, they say, when you are at home and having gentle mobility around the house, it doesn't help your ulcerated feet. It's not going to help you to potter around at home. The medical writings state, either admit him or make sure he does not walk one single step at home. <laughs> Splint his leg, rest it, and stop, it from walk, stop him from walking. Jesus didn't do that. <laughs> Jesus was saying, without a healing, if you obey me, without healing, you're going to get worse. And the group of ten effectively had to fight to believe Jesus rather than keep the status quo, try and keep and maintain, try and keep what they had. See, when the lepers started on their journey to the priests, they were in pain and would have been, it would have been an excruciating, painful thought to have to make a journey, not another journey. Like that walking to suffer where medical treatment said they mustn't even take one step to remain healthy in what they had as health. And when did healing come? Well, the inferred promise from Jesus was that it would come at some point before meeting the priest. It would be a bit daft if they hadn't actually got to be healed by the time they got to see the priest. But that's, that's probably the whole point. They had pain. They, had, they could get further injury by walking. And that, but they had the deeply embedded and learnt shame of approaching the town where stones had been thrown and a complete rejection by the authorities again. Out you go, you are not healed. Everything screamed out to them, why bother, why go? Apart from seven words from Jesus. Go show yourself to the priests. And in life we too, we, we have battles, don't we have battles? To actually trust the small words of Jesus. To actually pick up your Bible and say, I'm going to trust this for today. That is radical absolutely radical to just pick up the few phrases that you can remember or even that morning have read and actually you can apply it to your life and say I'm going to trust God for these few words you see what happens in that day that you trust God for as you enter it these guys trusted words of Jesus and they battled in see Timothy says for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and love and of sound mind so so you can see that they were cleansed. At some point, they were cleansed, they were healed. The important point, it wasn't immediately. It was at some point later on, far enough for the nine who didn't come back, the nine to say, why bother? Let's just keep going. Do you think they looked impressive when they set off? They looked ridiculous, far from impressive, shuffling at a small pace as they went. 
But that's exactly the problem with our thinking, that we should think that faithful people should look impressive. <laughs> we believe that because people look good on the outside, that actually they're Christians walking in faith. See, a few verses prior to this account in Luke, Jesus is confronting the disciples and confronting them about their misunderstanding of what faith is. I can hear my voice in them saying, Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and cast into the sea, planted there, and it would obey you. See, Jesus was teaching them that it's not the quantity, the size of your faith that matters. It's whether you have a speck of real faith, real faith that can change and heal you. See, verse 15. Then one of them, when he saw he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell, in verse 16, with his face to the ground at Jesus' feet and thanked him. Now he was a Samaritan. And most Jews at Jesus' day, the Samaritan, as we've said, would have been despised, a half-breed, a heretic. As a... And since this man glorified God, he had caught something of who Jesus was. God had healed him through Jesus. Even if he had not caught the fact that Jesus was God himself, he came to him to thanks and praise God. And in verse 17, then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? 18, was no one left to turn back and give praise to God except this foreigner. Do you see yourself amongst the nine? <laughs> I can see how easy it is for me to be there amongst them. See, they were focused on things to do. They, the, these lepers, they had seen the priests and they had to go through a ritual. They knew they had to, to go and be shaved and all their clothes to be burnt. And, and it would take them a time to be um, observed by the priests outside the town. And a week later, they had to be shaved again, all their eyebrows off again. And only on the eighth day, eight days of preparation and sacrifice, were they declared clean if there was no signs before they could go into society. See, they were missing the whole point of Jesus. How easy it is to get so focused in church life of doing things and actually forget Jesus. Forget the reason that we are here, the love that we are here. The wonder of forgetting the wonder of a beautiful saviour. <laughs> who has broken the power of sin deep inside, which had been eating us up inch by inch with no escape. He has freed us wonderfully. He has freed us wonderfully. See, the nine were God's people. They were Jews. And, 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 and there's a danger of being... A, for them, there was a danger. There's a danger for us today in that we can somehow think that because we are Christians and we're here, God owes us. He owes us. No need to go back and say thank you. We're clean. God finally heard us. We can get back into society again. God somehow owes us. We're his people. You see, they hadn't actually done anything wrong. They'd actually listened to Jesus' words when Jesus said, go back and, and find the priests. And after those eight days of examination and, and cleansing and, and, and sacrifice, they were thankful, but thankful in a different way, that God actually owed them their healing. And the truth is that, see, that we move so easily, don't we? And I see myself in them. 
And do you see yourself in them that when times are so hard, it is easy to call out to God for his mercies. It is so easy to, to cry in your bed at night to say, God, help me, help me. I don't know how to get out of this problem. And when he answers, how easy it is to forget him and forget him, to forget and not be thankful. How easy it is to move from a thankful heart to an unthankful heart, forgetting his wonders. We should never lose the fact that we don't deserve the blessing of God. That was their error. We don't deserve. They thought they deserved it, but we don't deserve the blessing of God. But grace, he gives us good that we do not deserve. That is the whole reason we're here. Jesus has given us what we don't deserve. He's given us life and a relationship with God that we don't deserve. None of us do. So we should never lose the thankful heart and become part of the nine. But yet we so finally, easily find ourselves there, don't we? And verse 19, and then he said to the man, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. A few years back, Alison and I and the family, we were going on our holiday and generally was camping under canvas. And on this holiday, the kids were having fun. There was a swimming pool. They were doing their clubs. They're having great times. And like all family holidays, there's always difficulties. And this time, Alison had tonsillitis. The, the rest of a holiday actually made no difference. She felt that she had tonsillitis and went to the doctors. And yeah, it was tonsillitis. And she was in pain, real pain, through the whole holiday. So much so that even at the end of the holiday, on the last day, that day when you're all busy and you're packing and trying to get out of the camp, Actually, she had a migraine. She woke up with a migraine that morning. And that historically meant that she could do nothing for the day, really. She has had to move, no movement, and just live that way and get through it. So I knew she was ill because I got to pack the car. <laughs> you see, in our house, see, the winner of the computer game Tetris gets to pack the car. Now, Tetris is that game where you have objects falling down and you only have a few seconds to slot them in and get a nice, neat row at the bottom. Alison always won, hands down. So she always got to pack the car. But this morning, I packed the car. She was not well. And when she finished and time was to leave, we sat down. We thought, well, what do we do? We've got to go. So we sat down and we prayed for us. And we prayed that, Jesus, would you please take the migraine away from mum? So we got up and walked to the car. And, it, you know, it was slow. And we got to the car. And when we got to the car, she exclaimed, the migraine. The migraine's gone. It had taken 20 metres for the migraine to go. I believe that she would still be there with pain if we had not of trusted God, prayed and walked, but stayed still. See, these guys, they, had a, they were brought back to life. Gee, the, the leprosy, to heal the leper, was like bringing someone back from life. They were on death row by those inches of life being taken. And yet they stepped out and walked and they found healing, faith in action. So Jesus said, get up, go on your way. Your faith has made you well. So once we, be, we become aware that the words, your faith has made you well, once we hit, see that, it literally means saved. We see that faith does wonderful things. It saves us. It saves us. It heals us, but also it brings salvation. It heals us of those hidden things, those sinful things inside which nobody can fight, but yet God can. See, previously in this Unstoppable God series, I, I, we looked at different healings, and I was looking at one before, which actually led me to the understanding that I hadn't understood before, which was actually that faith 
From faith comes hope. Hope in, in Jesus is coming again. Hope in all the promises that Jesus has given. It, the faith spurns it, hope to life. And if you find that life circumstances squash your faith, or so squash your hope, you just have to take a step back, rekindle hope from faith, your faith in who you believe and what you believe in Jesus and the promises that he's given you. But reading today is where does faith, what does faith look like when it is so real? These guys walking, they look so unimpressive when they set off. You would never have said they are mighty men of God. But yet they set off and faith healed them. How does that happen? What area is it that faith must be in to actually have that power of God? So we look back at, I was just looking back in, in Luke, looking back at the verses, and I see a common theme. The father, in chapter 9 of Luke, the father of the son of the unclean spirit, begged Jesus you took, to look at his son and begged him through unworthiness and for God's grace and mercy to touch his son. In Luke chapter 9, Jairus' daughter fell or Jairus fell at Jesus' feet for his daughter. A place where, falling down, a place where no one can demand but plead for grace and mercy, and his daughter was raised to life. The woman suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years, she said, if only I can touch the hem of his clothes, and a huge sense of unworthiness to be in the presence of Jesus. But yet she hung on to his mercy and his grace, and her, her faith, Jesus said, has made you well. The centurion's servant, he, he healed the centurion's servant, who, the servant that, that the centurion begged Jesus to come. But he said, I am not worthy for you to come to my house. And Jesus said, your faith has made you well. The paralytic man who came through the roof with friends who helped Jesus, he heals him, but not before forgiving his sins. And it's our sins with which we come forward with an unworthiness before God. And the leper, as I've mentioned already, the leper healed as he approached Jesus. He bowed with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I don't know how many of you have done that, is to throw yourself down to the ground in a sense of unworthiness, throwing yourself on the mercy of another. You see, what does that say to me? Faith, the type of faith which actually heals people, actually does something, that speck of quality faith that Jesus was talking about. Faith lives, it lives in the place of grace and mercy and thankfulness. And faith is acted on and exercised by those who know themselves to be unworthy. You see, if, if faith brings hope in the future, faith brings hope. Actually, taking a step back, unworthiness of coming towards God, unworthiness, I don't deserve anything good from you. That brings us into a place of pleading for God's grace and mercy. And in that place, faith is real. It is real. It comes alive. We can't come to God saying, we know it all. We, we deserve to be praised and we deserve to have healing. God says, no, the power of these, these testimonies, these stories tell me that actually these people were healed when they were in a place of asking God for grace and mercy because they knew they didn't deserve it. Is that how we come? before a God, to find him. To live in the place of grace and mercy, it's the place of a thankful heart, like the one leper who came. He was thankful, and the others weren't. The only Samaritan one healed remained in the sense that he was unworthy. He wasn't a Jew. How did this happen to him? He was so fortunate, and he came to God and received everything that Jesus said. You are saved. 
However, unworthiness and grace and mercy, he found a saviour that saved him. It's a dangerous place, and I lived there, and I have lived there, to be in a church (laughs) where we don't actually have a thankful heart. Thanking God every morning for the new mercies. Saving faith is faith that can heal the foulest heart, the heart of a leper, the heart of a sinful, and it can save. It is born out of a thankful heart, not a thankless heart. The heart that lives in a place of God's grace and mercy, a place where true saving faith is born. So I don't know if you've come in for a wrap-up. If you come in today and you've come in for the first time and you've got fear of coming into this place because you feel like an outsider, you don't belong to any church, you, 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 you actually feel a bit like you can identify with a Samaritan, you, you don't deserve to be here, you, perhaps you're worried about being judged. Actually, to be in a place where you feel that, God, I am not worthy to come before you, is something we should not, none of us should leave that place. But yet the wonder and the thankfulness of coming before him and knowing his grace and mercy. You're, you're among others here who are in the same place as you. Don't fear being judged. Jesus has made a way for you. And if you regularly come to this church, <laughs> and you've been a Christian for years and seen amazing things of God, if you've forgotten the wonder of your first love, the wonder of God's grace and mercy, take a step back before a holy God and know that you are not worthy, but yet he comes and gives you an opportunity through his son to find his grace and mercy. See, he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. You see, the greatest miracle is not to be healed of leprosy or cancer or heart disease. The greatest miracle is when my human heart is healed of ingratitude so that my human heart is filled with daily thanksgiving to God and others. That is the wonder of saving faith. How should we live? In, in the writer of Romans says, Therefore I exalt you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God. Amen? Can we have the band back up? That would be great. See, some people think that the healings of God are ones which, you know, they just happen, don't they? But there is actually a cost behind them. The healing of the lepers, the healing that we have seen here amongst us, it comes as a cost. So the lepers were cast out, they were isolated, they were, they were put out of the town, but yet we can come cl- close to God. Like sin, we're cast out from God's presence. But God took his son and they agreed that his son would come down and leave the presence of God so that he could take our place, isolated, outcast, so that he could change the place with us, that he who was close to God would become isolated and cursed on the cross and yet we would come close to the Father. That is the wonder what Jesus has done. Let's praise him. Amen.